Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week we have Megan Nicole Dong and Stu Livingston's artist lecture from a couple weeks ago. Megan and Stu actually came into town for a workshop about storytelling, storyboarding, and comics. It was during the Color Anthropology opening reception, so we had an artist talk for the public. Just to give you guys an idea about who these two are, Megan is actually a director at Nickelodeon Animation Studios, and she directs um, television shows and does storyboarding and writing. Um, and you're probably familiar with her work. You'll find out more about it in the artist lecture. She also creates comics online under the name Sketch Shark, uh, and she has a huge following there and makes really hilarious comics. So if you haven't seen them, you should go check them out because they are super ridiculous. Stu has a similar background. He also works at Nickelodeon Animation Studio. He just finished directing Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie, and has moved on to a new project. He also creates comics, and both of them are super talented, and they've worked in all different aspects of the animation industry. During their lecture, they just talked a little bit about their background, how they got to where they are now, and then it opened up to a question and answer session where the audience got to ask questions, and they covered everything from work-life balance um, to fulfilling creative needs to social issues regarding their artwork and just the nuts and bolts of the animation industry. It's a great talk. And um, we have a couple things coming up here at Light Gray Art Lab that you should also be aware of. So every now and again, as you know, uh, we have a visiting artist come to Light Gray to talk about their practice. And uh, we have Nico Delort coming all the way from Paris to talk about his work. Um, he creates alternative movie posters, has done a lot of stuff for Mondo, um, for tour books, um, and is part of the Vacuum uh, Artist Collective, among many, many other things. But you've probably seen his scratchboard work. And so he's got a new workshop coming on July 7th, 8th, and 9th. It's a two-and-a-half-day workshop where, again, he talks about his practice, his methods, um, his methodology, and a lot of his theories about creating. So if you you'd like to join us for that we have a couple spots left all of the information about nico's workshop is available on shop.lightgrayartlab.com and on the very front page you'll see a giant banner if you click it, it'll go through to his workshop you can sign up there so on the 7th um, starting at 7 p.m we'll have nico's free artist lecture so come on and take a look at what he's got to show us um, listen a little bit about his practice there and then at eight o'clock we have a special event where we'll be showing some of natalie hall's work sashir bamakanti's work and of course work from nico from his series of new work and also a special event featuring other members of the vacuum so details for that event will be on our events page as well as on our Facebook page and Chris will give you some more information at the end of the podcast for that. Yeah, it'll be hard to miss. It'll be all over the internet. Yes, all over the internet. So beyond that, um, we have a couple other things that you can get involved with. Right now we have applications for the 2018 Light Gray Art Lab Iceland Residency Program. If you've heard about it last year, or if you've gotten a chance to look online, you'll see this giant image of an incredible glacier. We are taking a team of artists over to Iceland this year to both the north and the south, where you'll get to see tons of amazing features of the landscape, uh, fissures, um, fumaroles, you'll see hot sheep. pots, sheep, of course, um, incredible moss-covered mountains, rocks, and sea stacks, and waterfalls, and many other things uh, coated in ice. So 
If you want to be a part of that, it's actually probably our most academic program. If you go to the travel page, right on the front page of our lightgrayartlab.com website, at the very top, you'll see a giant banner. You'll also see a little tiny button that says travel. And you can get information about the 2018 program. And again, there's a button on the inside for how to apply. It's just a short application where we ask everyone that is applying to propose a workshop that they'd like to teach to the rest of the crew. Again, it's one of the only programs, or it is the only program, where we ask people to think about what they want to share with the creative community and how they might show what's important to them as an artist. So, again, right on the front page of the website, you'll see a giant glacier image. Go ahead and take a look, and we hope to see you guys apply for the Light Gray Art Lab Iceland Residency Program 2018. We're super excited for Iceland. It's going to be super awesome. If you can't wait for Iceland but want to have tons of fun either way, don't forget that we're still doing light gray game night every other Thursday. We just had one the other night that was really fun, and we're having the next one on Thursday, June 29th, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m., although who knows how late it will go. It's a pretty wild bunch, so check it out. We also have a ton of other stuff coming up here. And so um, we have things at Calvin Bauer, our new uh, events and outreach guy. He's uh, setting up some really fun stuff for the end of the summer and early fall, including tiny little camping trips, just like a day or two. We have things like movie night. We have things that fall under the Young Mystics category. So if you want to get your esoteric stuff on, you could come over. And then a bunch of other things that are to be determined um, exactly when. But watch out for that. We'll have a giant late summer and early fall calendar of events that you guys can come over the to the space and be a part of something. So let's get over to the lecture. But before we do, I just want to warn everyone, there's a moment in the lecture where um, Stu shows an animation. And during that time, we had some audiovisual um, juggling where we were trying to switch sound sources and things like that. Um, so at that point, the recording actually got screwed up and stopped recording. Um, so there's a small segment right after Stu was done and right when Megan was starting her introduction um, that got cut off. But we had Megan go back and record an intro for you. So you'll notice that it probably sounds a lot different for just one moment. But uh, we just wanted to make sure you didn't miss anything important. So uh, when you hear that, that's what it is. But don't worry about it. Without further ado, let's hear from Megan and Stu. For everybody that's joining us today, everybody that's come here from different places that's never been here at Light Gray Art Lab, welcome. Um, we're excited. We're in our fifth year of existing. Uh, this space is new. It's really exciting for us. Um, and in this like fifth year of being alive or something, um, we're excited because we get to do really cool things like invite visiting artists to come over and share their expertise, um, have some space that's actually dedicated to this. So a lot of the people that are sitting around today um, are actually coming for a workshop. Um, people from all over the place, um, the United States and Canada and sometimes beyond uh, get to join here and actually see each other in real life, which I think is really fun. So um, our two visiting artists today are going to give a really awesome um, kind of overview of who they are and what they do and some of the experience that they've taken along the way in their journey. And so I'm excited to introduce both of our guests. Stu Livingston, this nice person right here, um, is a director at Cartoon Network, a storyboard artist and a cartoonist based in Los Angeles. 
He co-directed the Hey Arnold! The Jungle Movie for Nickelodeon Animation Studios with previous credits on Futurama, Steven Universe, and Clarence. As a cartoonist, his comics have appeared in numerous anthologies nationwide and in his series Spam, Eggs, and Rice. He's also taught at CalArts and the Concept Design Academy. Our second awesome guest is Megan Nicole Dong, a marine biology enthusiast, cartoonist, and animation professional. She currently works as a supervising director at Nickelodeon Animation Studios and has worked as a storyboard artist for both feature film and television animation. Megan also creates humorous comics for the web and social media under the name Sketch Shark, and her work has been featured on various online outlets and news sites. So please welcome our two guests. Hey. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so I'll go first. I have a little PDF I've prepared. All right, so <laughs> can you go full screen? So I'm Stu. At the time, I was just a storyboard artist, but since then, I've uh, directed on Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie. I also I now currently direct on a new show at Cartoon Network called Craig of the Creek that was just announced like a couple weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing that for about 10 years and I'll walk through kind of like what I've done uh, or my whole life story, I guess. So I was uh, originally born in American Samoa. That's me on the right with my sisters and we're wearing like the kind of Samoan like formal wear of like a, like a, like a big like cultural event. I was six, I don't remember what it was for exactly. But, um, but yeah, so I, I grew up in this like very, very beautiful island. Um, it's our national flag. Uh, it was annexed like in 1900, so it's an American colony. But in 1991, um, I flew to California and I moved to first Fresno for a few months and then settled in Bakersfield, which is where I grew up. Uh, so I lived there from about age six to age 20 when I moved to Los Angeles and I've been there for about 10 years. But before I left to Los Angeles, I studied at Bakersfield College. I had like a, just a pretty humble community college education. I studied art, I did, had an amazing life drawing teacher there. Um, and after a couple of years, I transferred to Cal State Northridge, uh, which is where I finished my education uh, mostly doing this. <laughs> Not, I was very lazy. Uh, unfortunately, in, uh, in Cal State Northridge, I can, I can say that honestly. And um, I played way too many video games. I did not draw enough. Uh, and then about time graduation rolled around, I realized I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I had a teacher who worked in the industry who kind of to told me and a lot of my colleagues or classmates, that, like, wow, you guys are like way below like industry standard and you all need to get really good really fast. So that terrified me. And <laughs> I had to decide very quickly like what my focus was going to be and so in animation there are many many different disciplines from character design writing and all these different examples here uh, so I had to kind of think about it and thought what are the things that I'm into like the artists I admire uh, one thing about the way I draw it's not super tight or super it's clean but it's very loose um, and I am kind of a control freak I'm a very left brain kind of like plan oriented list taking person uh, so that eventually led me to storyboards, because uh, I draw very loosely, and I like being kind of at the front of like the process and being able to kind of guide and plan like a big project. In 2007, I graduated. This is me still very frantic and terrified by my teacher's advice, uh, with a very, very bad portfolio, and started at a small uh, web company called Big Bad Tomato. Um, and the thing I, that I, I often tell like young people trying to break in is, just start anywhere, like anywhere at all. Like I could not have hoped at all like 10 years ago to start at a major studio like Cartoon Network or Disney or Nickelodeon. Like I was miles and miles and miles away from that. So I started at this small startup company and worked there for a few months uh, before moving to another small studio working on this uh, 
cartoon called Pink Panther and Pals. Um, this was basically kind of everyone's first cartoon show, including mine. Um, but it was really fun. And kind of a weird side note, uh, earlier this year in January, I traveled to Seoul, Korea for work. And my little sister lives there. She teaches English. And something amazing that she taught me was all of her students are super into this cartoon. And I've never met anyone in the United States that knows what this show is. I, I was about to do a little demo. I drew these characters, Big Nose and Pink Panther, for them. And I asked my sister, so which kid in here uh, likes Pink Panther? Pals? She laughed and said, they all do. Like, they all do a lot. So yeah, it was kind of a weird full circle thing. So, um, so after about a year and a half there, I went to Warner Brothers and worked briefly on this show called Looney Tunes. That's me very, very shell-shocked and very not expecting uh, a lot of these things to have happened. Um, however, after six months, uh, the entire crew was, or six weeks, I'm sorry, not very long at all, the entire crew was laid off. They decided to retool the show, which happens, and start from scratch. So it was the recession, however, and so eight months later, I was completely unemployed for eight months, uh, trying to submit to everywhere, but there were just no jobs at the time. Eventually, uh, while Disney hired me, thank God, I had one friend who uh, brought me on board to help on a development project uh, that never went anywhere, unfortunately. Uh, and that led to this MTV series, which I worked on for about a year, called Good Vibes. Had a lot of Simpsons crew on it. Uh, Josh Gad, who's now like really famous from like Frozen, he played this character, and I think no one knew who he was at the time, but I think he got hired on The Book of Mormon while he was working on this show, and so we all saw his like star rising at the time. So. Um, it's kind of fun. So after Good Vibes, um, I worked on Futurama on the last two seasons, I guess. Um, and so after about four years, I finally launched, landed on something with some name recognition, which was very exciting. Uh, it was a very like organized show. And up to this point, I felt like um, all these shows I've been on so far were either like first season shows that immediately got canceled or uh, were like the Warner Brothers job um, just cut super short. Um, so I thought Futurama, something with like a lot of like sustenance and it's going to be going on for a long time. And of course, it was immediately canceled after I got on board. <laughs> so I kind of felt like I was like had like a, a weird like work curse following me for all these years. Um, so as my time at Futurama was winding down, I heard about um, another show coming out called Steven Universe. And this was really exciting to me because um, Rebecca Sugar was one of my favorite artists like ever in college when I found her, her early comics. And I followed her career through Adventure Time and all the songs she was writing and all the boards she was doing. Um, but I had a friend of a friend working on this show. They somehow brought me on board. Uh, and um, to hear her say she liked my drawings was like completely mind-blowing. So I worked on this show as a storyboard revisionist. Um, I basically would have done anything to work on this show, so I technically took a step down just to work with Rebecca and to work with the crew. And it was amazing. It was like one of the most talented crews I've ever worked with, and Rebecca is amazing herself. So. Um, but after trying uh, for a while to grow up to the storyboard uh, artist position, I could not pass their test because I did not have a writing background, which was kind of required, which was very disappointing at the time. Um, but it turned out all right, as you'll see. So uh, after that job, I left to storyboard at Disney on this series called Pen Zero Part-Time Hero. I think some people watched the show, but I haven't really heard that much about it since it came out. But this show was very like cinematic and very action-oriented, and so I felt like I got really, like, Finally, after six years of storyboarding full-time, I finally felt like I was like getting kind of good at storyboarding, which as like any of you guys in the workshop will find out, it's very, very complicated, and it's like juggling like a million different things at once and drawing it all at the same time. So, um, but this show was kind of a breakthrough for me. So um, uh, at a point, I decided to move on to another show, so I went over to uh, back to Cartoon Network to work on Clarence. Um, I had a lot of friends from school uh, working on the show, so it was like, you know, like a very natural connection to come back, but it also gave me the practice I needed to learn how to write, to learn how to storyboard from my head uh, as opposed to from a script where it's all already written for me. Um, 
And, uh, and plus, I just loved the show as a fan before I even got to work on it. So it was, it was, it was, it was a real thrill. So um, yeah, Clarence was great. And then uh, after a year working on that show, I got the call to, or the, the offer to work on Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie, which was a dream come true. Uh, I grew up as a huge fan of Arnold, and so they wanted somebody younger to direct on the show with some kind of background and, and fandom of Hey Arnold. So I was able to provide that. Um, I just left that, sh that movie uh, just about a month ago. Um, and it was amazing. We have no trailer yet. We're just getting animation back. So hopefully when, when it comes out in November, you guys all love it. Um, and so last week, actually, just recently, I just started at my new job on uh, Craig of the Creek, which is a new really cute show I'm really excited for. We're just getting started, but it's created by the writers from Steven Universe. So there's a lot of kind of overlap for anyone who loves that show. So um, yeah, that's what I'm doing now storyboard wise. However, um, I've also been doing comics for a long time, since uh, 2007, 2008, around the time of, I started in animation. Some of my favorite uh, artists who I'm inspired by are comic artists, and so uh, over the years I've published uh, comics in anthologies, I've self-published my own zines, uh, I've gotten to go to shows and sell those zines, um, and uh, this is part of a 20-page uh, Chinese myth story I did for an anthology called The Great Flood, um, about this little goofy boy who has to survive the flood and carry these like pearls and it's been a while, I can't remember exactly how it went, but, but it was a lot of fun and I love, I love drawing comics and reading graphic novels and all that stuff. And I also do little personal autobiographical stories, uh, usually about um, you know, personal anxieties or things that I like, get really, really interested in. I really love Metal Gear Solid, that's what this comic is about. Um, when I was in high school, I had a terrible reading comprehension and so I would always recast classic books like The Great Gatsby with anime characters in my head. And it helped me remember it like so much better. So that's what these kind of stories are about. Um, and I've also, every now and then, gotten to do uh, some fun illustration work. I did an Adventure Time cover for their comic book. Uh, this was, or the Steven Universe illustration was originally for the cover of their comic, but it became like a back illustration instead. And uh, uh, I wish I had the digital for this, but this is part of a Bravest Warriors, like, Where's Waldo type art book that came out a few years ago I got to work on. Um, and then these are just some random doodles, which, I wish I had more time to do. I love just little fan arts and stuff like this, but um, I think that I drew this when Steven Universe first premiered, and these are like the little promos a lot of the Cartoon Network board artists would make when their episodes came out. This one was about video games, and I love Metroid, so um, anyone who plays those will recognize those characters. So. Don't forget your D&D &D character who's oh, a, yeah. <laughs> a bearded lady dwarf. Yes, my bearded lady dwarf. I can't even remember her name. It's been so long, but she was awesome. Um, and then uh, after that, I've also had the opportunity to teach at CalArts and Concept Design Academy. I taught life drawing there, um, which was really exciting because like somebody from like a state school kind of like self-financed education background, like always CalArts was always very like enticing and amazing to me. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was an amazing opportunity. And, um, and that's basically it. I've just been juggling all those things for the past 10 years and, and hope to keep going with that. So that's my background. Thank you. Oh, what's up? Oh, yeah. I also wanted to wrap up my little talk before Megan goes on with a little storyboard pitch to kind of show you guys exactly what I do. Okay, so I wanted to show you guys what an actual storyboard looks like, one that I've actually worked on, and then I'm gonna show you the small short that this was eventually animated into. So this is for a short for a show that's gonna come out soon called OKKO OK on Cartoon Network. Anyone who knows like Steven Universe, the show creator for this show, worked on Steven forever, and so um, I know you'll all love it. Um, this was actually uh, cleaned up and boarded with a MCAD alumni named Toby Jones, who graduated from the school some time ago, uh, for some synergy, local synergy for that. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll pitch this board for you guys right now. So we start on black, 
and we fade in on this like pile of bodies and this like badass hero dude uh, standing on top of them, and we hear him say, "This is me." And then we, uh, just kidding, whoosh, and it's like a magic card type thing. This is me, stupid card. The laser eyes. <laughs> KO, uh, high-ranking ultimate master hero, and there's a huge explosion, and all these all these like monsters and stuff fly out. And defender of, and then they all kind of stop. KO. And they're like, huh? Everything kind of flies up, dreams over. KO, pay attention. We got a trail of slime in aisle three. Uh, four, five, every aisle KO. And the camera pans to the right. We see this slug guy like uh, with his phone just kind of going around making a mess. <laughs> Boom. Yes, sir. He kind of rushes through, whoosh, 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 like getting his mop and everything, cleaning it all up. Whoosh, and there's like a swoosh of wind. Ding. And the logo comes up. Um, okay, this is actually me. Hey, I'm KO. I get to work at the greatest place in the world, Lakewood Plaza Turbo. Here, I'm a key player in a righteous battle between good and evil. And the camera pans down, whoosh, and we see uh, uh, Rad and Enid fighting this like blade-footed lady. Uh, Stand back, and he's like right there in the middle of them. I'll get him. And she's like, huh? Whoosh, he flies away. Whoosh, uh, yeah, flies up. He's turning like a pancake. <laughs> Grabs, throws. I bet you're wondering. Freeze frame. Uh, where did I get these amazing skills? He rolls like a little disc. Bing, 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 bing. My mom runs a dojo. Kicks the door open. And she always has a lowdown on all the best fighting moves. He's like walking, walking, walking. His mom kind of appears in the shot. Free of charge. Up, up, up. He's like a little baby. And she, so she picks him up. Uh, and like a little, cuddles him like a little child. Here you go, my little dumbbell. <laughs> Thanks, mommy. Ping. And then his mom teases him. I've got a new move for you, KO. Whoosh. The slide kick. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. And he's like, whoa. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. I want to do it now. Now, now, now. And she boop, bops him on the head. Bop, bop, bop. You got to train to master it. My whole life is training. And then we cut to like a montage, sit-ups, uh, push-ups under a waterfall, running up an infinite staircase. I'm ready. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, that's my boy. Keep it up. I will. Boom, out the door. Back to the sore. Wow, cool move, KO. And like she's very lackadaisy about it. I know. Um, boss says you got to help Rad set up the display. On it. <laughs> nice. Best part of the job. He's like a uh, corpse on the ground. Beep, bing, bing. And he kind of floats up. Hey, I'm boxing here. Don't worry. I'll clean this up. Broom closet. Dirt closet. Makes this big mess. Ah, oh, stop. KO, stop. Why? Why is it the mess? No, that's cool, but you'll get stuck this way. It goes back and forth. You guys, I got the... Oh, wait. I am stuck this way. KO, no! Ding, 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 ding. Uh, oh, there it is. Actually, I am stuck this way. Right out the door. What in the blazes? What a mess. You two are staying until you clean this up. What? But KO did it. Box comes in. Pops out with all these little tourist memorabilia. Black. Wow, KO, round the world psychic. Impressive move. I give you employee of the month. <laughs> All right. And you know what you win? You get to clean up the whole store. 
all by yourself. Wow, really? Awesome. Storyboard, and now I will show you the actual short that we did. Hey everyone, I'm Megan, and I'm currently at Nickelodeon Animation working on an upcoming series called Pinky Malinky that should be coming out sometime in early 2018. So a quick overview of my career. I got my start at Titmouse Inc. working on a bunch of different Flash animated series for Adult Swim, such as Metalocalypse. And back then I did a little bit of design work, some in-betweening, layout, and I was sort of a Flash animation generalist. So at some point after a couple of years, I decided to switch gears and pursue storyboarding because I had been interested in it back in college. And specifically, I had been interested in storyboarding for feature animation. So I was really lucky when I got the opportunity to become a story apprentice uh, at DreamWorks Animation as part of the program there. So I spent the next four years of my career at DreamWorks working on films such as How to Train Your Dragon 2, Captain Underpants, and a whole slew of other films that were either canceled or sent back into development. But since then, I've decided to return to TV, and I've been working as a director at Nickelodeon ever since. For my day job, my coworkers and I pretty much all work digitally, so we draw and storyboard everything on the computer with Wacom Cintiqs. And because of that, for my personal work, I always try to work traditionally. So I draw, ink, and color all of my comics in my sketchbook, and then I post those, those drawings online. Um, so for me, uh, I, um, I kind of came from a similar background where I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when, uh, when I, I graduated from high school and college. Uh, when I was growing up, I just liked drawing little comics with my brother, and then we would read each other the comics in funny voices. And at some point um, down the line when I was in college, I found out that that was actually like a job you could do. And <laughs> that's basically what storyboarding is. Um, so uh, when I was younger, it was basically drawing comics with my brother. I liked music a lot, and I liked marine biology. Um, and then when I got to like the end of high school, I thought, maybe I'll be a marine biologist. Maybe I'm going to be a, a musician. I don't know. And then um, I realized that I was really bad at math, so I decided not to pursue anything in the sciences and um, just started doing more drawings instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> I have a cat, so. um, and he doesn't have very much hair on his belly. He's a guy, but he also um, has, he's very nipply. So. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so this is a, yeah, I guess I'll segue to talking about my comments. Um, out of curiosity, how many of you guys want to go into animation for storyboarding specifically? Okay, cool. And how many of you guys are interested in comics? Awesome. The two are related, so fortunately we'll be able to share a little bit about both with, with you guys. Um, yeah, so this is a, for a little while, <laughs> I was doing some comics about um, merpeople, um, specifically about different species of fish. And so um, what's, what's been great is as I got older and got further into my career, I found that I could incorporate some of the things I was interested in when I was younger um, into what I do now. There's a lot of freedom with, with web comics and uh, to kind of do things about whatever you'd like. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, so since I have, uh, like... <laughs> <laughs> since I have um, a, a lot of interest in biology, um, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of comics about animals or incorporating animals into um, stories about social themes. Um, and I've also done a lot of comics about makeup and woman stuff, I guess. <laughs> but I usually like to put a little bit of an absurd, absurdist bent to it, as you can see. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to share some of my comics work with you. Uh, I started doing some comics about, um, like, the shark from Jaws, like, as though he was an actor, like an actual kind of jaded Hollywood personality who hasn't really been able to find work since then. <laughs> so I started doing these comics just about like his everyday life. <laughs> yeah, so here. <laughs> and um, as I kept doing these comics, <laughs> he, I, I sort of was inspired by um, like the... <laughs> The people around LA, because there are a lot of aspiring actors and, and screenwriters and Hollywood types, so um, I decided to kind of combine like some of their characteristics and some of like the shittiest qualities of myself, and putting that into a character. So that's uh, that's who this guy is. So I'd say it's like somewhat autobiographical, but like in the worst way possible. I don't want to say that this guy is me because he's such he's. Yeah, he's kind of shitty, but... <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's one project that I've been working on, and I've been fortunate to be able to make it into a, a book project. All right, so this is, a, <laughs> this is another zine that I did a few years ago. Um, and it sort of started as just me envisioning, like, like if I had an advertising firm and I was doing advertisements for, for cosmetic products, what that might be like. So a lot of these projects that ended up becoming little books and zines for me started as, um, yeah, just like random experiments that I kind of expanded upon. Um, at some point I started looking into like what male care products might be. <laughs> Some of them are a little disturbing. <laughs> and then uh, after doing that project, I, start, I went back to the cosmetics theme and I started doing a series of comics about, um, just about like the whole idea of um, men being deceived by makeup because it was, <laughs> it was something like, for all you ladies out there, I'm sure you've met some, at least a few guys out there who are like, I want a woman who doesn't wear any makeup. I want someone who's only beautiful naturally 24-7. So I started doing um, like a series about, about that, like my own version of <laughs> the deceptive qualities of makeup. Um, and after doing this project and sharing it, <laughs> these silly guys. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
This might be the last one. Oh, there's one more. Um, so after I did the series, a lot of I, I got a lot of responses from people who personally related to this. Like either they'd been told that makeup was bad because it fools men, and um, yeah. So like I was fortunate that I was able to connect with a lot of people online after doing this particular project. Um, next one. Yeah. And um, this is a, a series that I've started doing recently and I'm, I'm continuing, so this is ongoing. And um, it's called A Toad Makes New Friends in the Forest. And it's, um, it's about a toad interacting with other animals, particularly mammals. And yeah, it's, uh, for me, it's been a way to um, talk about social, some social issues and, and things that I've gone through as an Asian American and as a woman, um, but without you know, it's, it's, it's broad enough that uh, other people from different uh, minority groups are able to relate to it, hopefully. Yeah, so this is, a, this is another personal project that I've been working on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so unlike Stu, who's, been, who's done comics with, um, with a publisher and with... Um, with an editor for like anthology projects, I mostly do small comics for myself and for the web. So the process is a little different. Um, I, I don't have anyone to, uh, like I have no filter to go through and it's just, uh, what I really enjoy about it is that I get to directly interact with uh, my audience. So um, I don't really have an editor, I just have like the comment section and that's how I kind of get my feed feedback. Uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag, but for the most part people have been really cool and um, I think the biggest thing is I, I get to see what people respond to the most, and it's, it's been really um, nice to hear back from people who have had similar experiences or have the same kind of sense of humor. And uh, yeah, so, so web comics is a thing that I plan in, on continuing to do. Although this year I'm, I'm actually starting to work on uh, my first actual book with a, with a real publisher, and um, hopefully that'll be out next year, but it's gonna be of my own work. Um, so the ad advantage of, of kind of putting yourself out there online is that you can kind of build an audience that is tailored to what it is that you do rather than you know, having to kind of fit yourself into a mold with, a, with an existing publisher. And um, yeah, so, so now the book that I get to do is, is gonna be just all this kind of thing, which is exactly, uh, which is pretty much like my own personal voice. I don't have to adjust that at all. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much my work. Well, so it, it's super cool to see everybody's stuff. Um, obviously up here, it's really nice to hear your voice behind it also. And what we want to do is give you guys a chance to ask any questions about any piece of this. I'll start the first one. And then if anybody has a question, just raise your hand and we'll help get you up here as well. My question for you both is how do you manage to be multifaceted and still get all your work done? How do you do many things at once and just keep sane? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not easy, that's for sure. Um, I mean, I remember uh, starting out when I was um, in college finding a comic series called Flight, which was a, an anthology of all these comic artists who did comics, but were also, you'd, I would read the bi biographies in the back, and it's like, this person does comics, but does like storyboards at Leica, or uh, this person does comics, or does illustration for all these clients. And I was like so blown away, like my naive, naive younger self, by the fact that people could do more than one thing. 
that was like literally amazing to me. I didn't know if that was even possible. Um, those people I, I said as like some of my favorite artists and th they were kind of like my benchmark of like who I wanted to model my career off of. Um, I could name all those people, but it would, I, would, I would take forever. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was simply a habit form that I had to form where I would come home and I'd really, really want to just like play video games and goof off for like two or three hours and go to bed. But um, it took days and days and weeks until I finally became normal to just set aside a couple hours every night and just work on something specific and keep working on it until it was done. And I don't know, that's kind of helped me through everything ever since I, I discovered that. So. Um, in regards to being like a multifaceted artist or person, um, I think that a lot of times we get stuck in the sort of trap of just trying to only draw or only focus on being a board artist or, or like a comic artist or whatever it is that you are. Um, but I think you'll find that uh, being a person with varied interests and various varied hobbies actually helps you as an artist because it gives you more inspiration, more things to draw from. Um, and even you know when you're a college student and you're you're just really focusing on your career goals and and getting good at, at drawing or or storytelling, um, you'll find as you continue on that you might be able to incorporate some of those things that you're really passionate about into your art, and it'll make it a lot better. Um, so obviously, you know, with personal work, you can kind of do whatever it is that you want. But even with your day, like for me, with my day job as a storyboard artist and as a director, um, I'm getting more and more freedom to bring other things that I'm interested in to my job. Like um, I really like music and I like writing music and singing. And um, I've been able to write songs and music for the show that I'm on now. And that's become a regular part of my job. So there, there is more flexibility that you can kind of create for yourself, and it's, it's, I think it's good and makes you a balanced person to be able to do more than just draw. Is there a story behind how you let people know that you were, you could sing or you could write music or you could do this? You know, did you just break out into song one day and just <laughs> everybody was like, oh, we need you to do this, or how did that work? Um, kind of, actually, in, in like a way. Um, uh, my my showrunners, uh, like I knew my showrunners before, but I, I wasn't like super good friends with them, but they came to my birthday party and we did karaoke. Oh. And like, yeah, we happened to do karaoke that night and they were like, oh, like you're okay at singing. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's really good, she's no. really good. Um, and then uh, like the first episode that I worked on, because uh, I work on an outline-based show, which means there's no set script and, and my board artists and I are, are the ones writing all the dialogue. And um, there was a, a part where we needed some sort of like video um, presentation. So we decided to do a, a song for it. So when we pitched it, we pitched, we just like I sang through it and we pitched the board and they were like, oh, let's give you more songs to work on. So it, it, when, at the start of the show, it wasn't intended to be a, a very musical show, but um, it's kind of adapted. So we actually have a lot of songs and a lot of musical numbers in it now because um, because I was able to, to do that for them for the first episode I worked on. Was that super nerve wracking or just really liberating? You were like, my chance. And then you just, just belted it out or is it just? It was a, a, little, a combination of both, really? but I think it was, it was pretty, it was more liberating than anything just because it was, um, I wasn't sure how it would be received, but it was uh, like they were really open to incorporating music into the show and so it felt really good to just to be able to kind of shape um, the, the trajectory of the show based on being able to do something. That's really so. cool. That's, it's super awesome. And any questions from you guys about I just wondered, do you have um, advice for someone who has like more experience in comics but is interested in storyboarding and animation? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, we, oh, go ahead. Oh no, yeah. I was just going to say, like a lot of a lot of colleagues of mine, especially at Cartoon Network and um, other studios, uh, because they are like proactive creators and writers on their own. Um, they bring a special talent to, you know, shows like outline-based storyboarded shows like Adventure Time and Steven, and especially Adventure Time. I think they like kidnapped so many cartoonists and comic artists <laughs> from all around the country that were so good at making their own stuff. Um, and a lot of those show creators would even go to conventions and just find zines and contact that person later, like, you want to work on my show and stuff. So I feel like it's really changed, and there's a lot of opportunities for comic artists to, uh, to, to do those things and learn those things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like especially the, the, the skill of writing and just, like, making stuff up um, is, like, really, like, in demand and really new and really, like... Uh, this is such a cheesy word, but it's like really hot right now to be able to do that, I guess. But like, um, and yeah, I think even when I started, it was not like presumed or even assumed that you would have to write. And I think when I, at the beginning of my career, it was like, it seemed like too daunting to even imagine, but now it's like the norm, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I'd add to that is that there are a lot of resources online nowadays. So the way that you can learn if you're not, you know, in LA or, or somewhere where there are people from the industry that you can interact with. Um, I would just find some resources online to learn about the mechanics of storyboarding. Uh, like there's some online schools, like Schoolism, I think is one. And then uh, my friend Rad has a school called Rad How To, and these are people who actually like work in the industry and, and they have a lot of like um, diagrams and things online that you can, you can take a look at. Um, and I think like I would probably study film, study TV and just sort of like get good at drawing perspective and, and shorthand and all that. But it's, it's still like the same kind of general visual language. It's still a sequential art, but um, it's just slightly different. So I would, I would try to look at for as many animation storyboarding resources online. Yeah, I feel like you're almost, you're more than halfway there learning to write and just creating characters and stuff like that. It's mm -hmm. simply moving the camera, understanding time and pacing and character. Like it's just add more to your toolbox and um, yeah, you're more than halfway there, I'd say. Um, so at the school I'm going to right now, I go to Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle, mm -hmm. and we do a lot of different things all at once already, and so I'm kind of, I'm about to be a senior next year, so I'm kind of struggling with what I should put in my portfolio, because mm -hmm. I want to do comics and storyboards and graphic design, so that's kind of what I have right now, and I don't know if that's too much or like what I should focus on. Yeah, I was in your exact spot, actually, because both of us went to state school, and we didn't go to, like, CalArts is, is probably, like, the best, one of the best animation schools you can go to, and we did not go to CalArts. Um, so we kind of had a more generalized education path as well when we were pursuing our BFAs. Um, and I think specializing is probably the best thing that you can do. So uh, even if you wanted to get into, say, comics or design or storyboarding, you would have to essentially have a portfolio for each of those things. So um, if you were pursuing storyboarding, I would just really focus on getting probably three, two to three samples of just storyboarded work, and then maybe just having some samples of drawing in that. And then um, you probably would want a separate portfolio for, for uh, design or for, for comics. Yeah, I think, I think especially starting out, like you really need to have like one big focus over the others, mm -hmm. uh, or you're gonna be spreading yourself way too thin at the, at the start. Um, so I suppose this is like such simple advice, but not really, is just like kind of ask yourself what you like the most, I guess, and uh, really put as much focus and energy into that over the others. And that's exactly what I think a lot of our teachers told us as we were getting out the door. So. And for separate portfolios with like different tabs 
It'd probably be, I, I would say like one website per thing, I would say, would that, does that make sense to you? Or, I mean, I, does that sound right? Um, so you basically would have a website uh, and then you have just like kind of different, like a different page for each. Yeah. Yeah. That probably, that would probably be fine, yeah. From a recruiting standpoint, they're usually only looking to hire you for one thing, so um, you probably wouldn't be able to apply to a studio under like an umbrella, like I'm looking for design, like characters, VG, you know, storyboarding. So uh, whatever you send to the recruiter would have to be that one thing. So it would, like if you were sending like links to an online portfolio, you would just probably send that one page that's for storyboarding. Um, yeah, but generally it's a very specialized industry, so so you would be basically submitting your work with one focus in mind. Yeah. I have a quick question for you guys. Mm -hmm. Looking at like the things that you've done in the past and where you are today, do you actually have super plans for like five years out, or do you just kind of do it as it goes, or what's your next plan? Um, you kind of have to wing it on some in, on some level. However. Um, I, I like to have longer, I like to have a combination of long-term and short-term goals, and like in terms of the, the specifics of getting there, yeah. that's where I'm winging it, because it's, you know, like, we change jobs a lot, um, especially like Stu, Stu's like... Yeah, I like feel like I have an abnormally high amount of jobs. <laughs> yeah, like my longest job was four years, and his was like one... A year and nine months, I'd say. Which is so crazy Over 10 me. years, so you can do the math there. Yeah, yeah um, but like for me, um, it was like when I was uh, at my first job, I wasn't too happy because I was um, I was bouncing around doing a lot of things and I really wanted to focus on, on one thing. So when I decided to do storyboards, um, I did put like a goal, like where I said, like by this age, I want, or like in two years, I want to be doing storyboards. And, um, and then like within those two years, I just really worked towards going to this apprenticeship program at DreamWorks Animation. And um, there were only like, I think there were only two open spots, and like 200, or 200 something of us applied, and then they, they narrowed it down to 20 of us, and we tested, and like I worked really hard, and then I, I got in, and so it was like a, it was a really big deal. And then I, I set the, the goal of like in two years I want to be a board artist, and then like five years after that I want to be a director, and I like, I found myself actually fitting, like getting to those points when I wanted to. So I, I'm a really strong believer in having long-term goals, um, so, like, like I, I am directing now, and um, so, like, five years from now, I would like to, like, either be a showrunner or direct a movie, which is, like, I do like setting those kinds of goals. So that is your plan, then? Yeah, yeah. I would like to have a show or, or um, direct a movie, or, and then I also um, want to continue doing my own personal work and, and hopefully be able to do more books or, or um, figure out how to build my, my personal brand, I guess, further than that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that's the kind of stuff I always wonder because, you know, you, you sort of see everybody's past and you just, yeah. you know, and then sometimes people sort of like see opportunities and just jump at them as they come. But mm -hmm. it's always interesting to hear somebody have a plan that's very specific and five years out and then you're yeah. working towards that really, really hard. And then, Stu, do you feel the same, or do you kind of just take it as it comes? Or what's Oh, no, not this, not like that at all, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> I mean, growing up in Bakersfield, I felt like definitely kind of a small-town rube, like coming to L.A., and I was very, very starstruck by everything and very, like, geeked out when I would meet, like, people I looked up to and stuff like that, like, so embarrassingly, like, bad. Um, I think I met Penn Ward of Adventure Time, like, three times, and every time I embarrassed myself or did something really <laughs> humiliating. So, like, I think, like, yeah, like, when I started out, I didn't, I was just expecting to have, like, an okay career, but I, I've been lucky enough to do things that have completely exceeded my expectations. And um, 
I know at a certain point, like I, I wanted to, to work in movies as a free, as a storyboard artist, um, and working in movies and working in TV as a board artist, they, they, they require like two very different kinds of skills. And so I was at a point like trying to drive myself in that direction, uh, just on the side, like learning to write, learning to like move the camera like in a movie, which is just co too complicated to explain right now, but it's very different. Um, but just kind of subconsciously trying to pick up those things has helped me kind of by accident. Um, add to that just being like cool and like not talking to people you like and just being nice to people um, has like kind of uh, helped by accident. So like my, my opportunities uh, with teaching came completely unexpectedly, but it became, it came from knowing one guy because I knew this other guy from before and I don't know, connections, connections just kind of like unexpectedly happen. Uh, same with directing on Hey Arnold, like I was happily at Clarence and I just got an email one day you want to interview for this job? I'm like, okay, sure. Like, I just checked it out, you know, but I know that kind of happens from putting myself in certain situations, being nice and just working hard, and eventually good opportunities will just kind of happen. I don't know. That's how I've kind of found my career to just kind of go. So, so. do you have a five-year plan or not really? Um, just keep getting better, I guess. See how okay. far I can go. I, I really, I, I don't know. I'm, I do have to add that I think the reason why um, I had to set things up like that was because... Um, when I started, like when I was in college, uh, there were so few women around like in my classes. And uh, when I first started in the industry, I was there were like three women in the company that I worked for. It was a small company, but still it was like we were surrounded by dudes. And like there were just certain terms that would be thrown out there like they would compliment you sometimes by saying like, oh, you draw like a guy. That was supposed to be like a compliment. So I felt like, okay, like I really need to work hard if I wanna get anywhere. Um, in the industry, and the really encouraging thing is that I've been seeing more and more women, uh, like either go to art college, like with an emphasis in animation, or um, just come into the industry. And we're seeing a lot more talented women come in. And um, right now, I'm working on a production that is 54% female, which is like the very first time I've ever worked on like a show that actually had a majority of women. But I think um, other other uh, women that I've talked to who are working in the field were similarly like they had to be really motivated to get here because it was like just such a dude-oriented field for a long time, and um, yeah, like so I think that's where like some of the drive came from was just having to work up against that. At what point do you come into the picture as with, along with the writer? Um, is it kind of a back and forth thing, or do you get the script and you go storyboard it? So it, it actually varies from show to show because um, some some shows and some movies are heavily script driven, mm -hmm. and uh, the shows that we're on right now are outline driven. So we actually are very involved with the writing. Um, for some script shows, especially like action action oriented shows, um, the board artists don't really do uh, that much of the the uh, writing or conception of anything, and they have to stick pretty closely to that script. But for us on outline-based shows, we get to, um, we get like a really loose outline, and um, for my show, we work back and forth a lot with the writers. So the, the directors, writers, and board artists will sometimes sit in a room and bounce ideas for things off of each other. Yeah, I mean, and even on the show I'm currently on, um, I've never arrived on a show's production so early, and so there's only about like six of us right now. It's very, very early in the show. So um, when you're kind of at that early point, that's usually, writers come on board at usually like the earliest phase. So we're literally writing the episodes together like as we speak, um, but as Megan said on outline-based shows, it's so collaborative and the, writer, the writers are kind of a part of it for the whole thing. And so, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question, but usually I guess like, 
they're on early and nowadays, like kind of through most of the show's run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have time for one more question. Uh, you both talked about uh, both at DreamWorks and at uh, Steven Universe uh, testing for certain positions. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was wondering actually the specifics of that because I didn't know actually much of what's involved in like testing for those positions. Sure. The sort of testing process changes from year to year, and it's a little different from depending on the studio. Like if you're testing for an action show with that's script driven, they'll probably give you a sample of a script and ask you to board a little chunk of it just to sort of see if your um, sensibilities match that of the show. And for some outline-based shows or for a feature, which is a little bit more, um, I guess it incorporates a little more writing, um, you might either have to just come up with something entirely based on like the characters and the premise, or you might play some like I think they're story games, story or games yeah, which is yeah. like they'll give you they'll you know they'll tell you who the character is and ask like what would what would Bob do with this lawnmower? Just give you some weird thing out you know just throw something out there and you'll have to just draw like one image to see if you get the humor of the show. Yeah, the way the way it usually goes is they'll give you like a, the pilot which is already finished, and so you can like watch like kind of an an episode of the show that exists. So it gives you a sense of like how the how the shot how the show is shot camera wise, how the characters all act and what their relationships are. So you get to know them a little bit, and then they'll give you like a simple premise like Stephen and Garnet and all the other characters find this treasure, but the treasure turns out to be a monster and it fights them. Like it may literally just say that, and you have to make up everything else on your own. And so you have to kind of come up with the backgrounds, like how, what the characters do, how they act with each other, and the dialogue. So it's supposed to reflect the sense that, that you get how the show's supposed to look, but also how the characters, what the characters would say with each other and all that, um, which is a lot of work. Uh, add to that, they'll give you like a comic with blank word bubbles. The characters are maybe posed out doing something, and then you have to just think of funny words that they would say, which is like a lot harder than it sounds, honestly. And um, other things can just be like, make up a character that might be in the background or, um, just little games that kind of give you more uh, kind of a, a breath to show like what you're good at. So, yeah. Well, I just um, want to thank you guys so much for your time and for all of your advice today. And again, um, we encourage you guys to come up and say hi to these guys. They're going to be around all night. Um, they have some work over here. Uh, we encourage you guys to take a look at that as well. But definitely come up, say hi, um, introduce yourself, and definitely uh, continue the conversation tonight. And thank you very much, you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Megan Nicole Dong and Stu Livingston's lecture. We hope you guys get a chance to come to um, our new up-and-coming lectures as well and check out all the fun things happening here at Light Gray Art Lab. And where can people find us, Chris? Lightgrayartlab.com, shop.lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Light Gray Art Lab. Instagram, also at Light Gray Art Lab. You can find us on Tumblr. We're Light Gray Art Gallery. .tumblr.com. You can find us on Facebook. Like us there to stay up to date with events and calls for art. And you can also stream this show directly on Stitcher Radio or download it on the iTunes Music Store. So thanks again, and we'll talk with you soon. Bye.